0: The Hard Shoulder on
1: News Talk
0: with Nissan Subscribe and Drive. No deposit, no compromise, no fuss. Find out more at nissan.ie. You're
1: very welcome back to The Hard Shoulder. Kieran Cody with you until seven o'clock. And I'm delighted to say for the Thursday interview this week, I am joined by Derry and Sally Ann Clark, the restaurateurs and business owners, I suppose, is how we'd have to describe you. You're both very welcome. the show folks it's it's great to talk to you um i suppose that the the nature of this lot is we talk about the past quite a bit and uh and and where people came from and all of that i want to talk a little bit about the future obviously um now that i have you i mean derry no more Lecrovan in your life what are you going to do yeah
2: hi Kieran. uh it's going to be difficult um 31 years running that business so that's a long time it's more than lifetime actually but um you know, things change, things move on, and um, we were unfortunate, really, uh, we announced we are going to close two weeks before the pandemic came in, so that kind of made it a bit difficult for us, but uh, it's finished now, we locked up there last week, uh, the, bit, the premises are sold, so uh, end of
1: uh, an era, I suppose. Was it difficult when it all closed, Sally and it suddenly become very real?
0: Well, as our daughter always said, it was our first baby and she was our second. So, <laughs> I mean, we would have been 32 years open this July. So it's kind of it's been more than half my life and ha- more than half of Derry's life. So um, and our daughter's 30. So you can imagine it's um, it's look, it's 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 a big change. I mean, we get up in the mornings and we set ourselves tasks because we're not used to being um unemployed is that what we are yeah yeah Yeah, we're unemployed here on so um it's it's different I mean the first lockdown was a novelty because we've never had that kind of time off in our in our married life at all the second one was an inconvenience and the third one was a nightmare so it's just the unknowing and the you know especially the the business that we're in hospitalities just seem to be left behind Well, look, it is what it is where there's light at the end of the tunnel. And please, God, everything will get back to normal as soon as possible for everybody in the hospitality industry.
1: Yeah, listen, fingers crossed uh, for that. Derry, I I was reading comments from you about post-lecrovan life. And you were talking about the, the fine dining industry in Ireland and how you suspect it will change, that it won't disappear, but it might shrink. What did you mean by all of that?
2: Yeah, well, that's actually what you say. It will shrink, I think, because I feel people nowadays um, want a more casual uh, night out experience. You know, a bit of a nice cocktails or a nice craft beers and um, good food, obviously. A nice ambience, uh, friendly, um, up-to-date, local ingredients done simply. I think that's really what people want. Uh, the formalities, I think, are changing really fast. Um, you know, Lake Ravan was a Michelin star. It was uh, formal but informal in lots of ways, but we had tablecloths, you know, starch linen, big tables, plenty of space, uh, big bar, cocktail bar. So there's a lot of things, uh, I think, it will change. People like, um, I think the informality, um, to enjoy a night out and,
1: uh, you know, have everything there really in one, in one building. And is that just a natural trend that you see happening? You've seen it maybe in other countries and you expect it'll happen here or, or why do you suspect this this is the case?
2: Yeah, well, you know, funny enough myself as I not travel a lot and over the last few years I've been going here and there and especially in the States and, and mainland Europe, you see a lot of really good restaurants um, kind of dumbing down, I call it, you know, going to a kind of a simpler format. Um, really look, look simpler ambience, um, a much uh, friendlier style of service, um, easy going, and um, you know, and I, I, it's kind of uh, something there for everyone, you might say. You know, uh, yeah. there's always, uh, it, we noticed uh, in uh, really good restaurants, they're doing pizzas. Yes.
0: Which yeah. really,
2: really surprised us. So that, th- those kind of things are coming on menus a lot.
0: Like the face of, of dining in Ireland has changed completely in the last 32 years. I mean, when we were looking to open a restaurant and looking around, the big players at the time were um, the Cockardee, uh, Restaurant Patrick Gibo, Derry was head chef in the Bon Appetit, and there was um, whites on the green. So they were all very much uh, five-star restaurants where people used as an occasion. So um, people didn't eat out like they did today. I mean, people eat out now at the top of a hat. Um, they do most people do takeaways on Fridays or Saturdays if they're not going out. And obviously, takeaways have done very well during the pandemic. But we've noticed over the last, say, 10 years at least, that people were. You know, because we were a Michelin star and because we were fine dining, people were using us for occasions as opposed to, Mm. you know, and business meetings. We were very, we had a huge corporate market during the week. And we were, as I said, every Friday and Saturday night for us, it was birthdays, anniversaries, celebrations. Monday to Thursday was corporate. And that's the way our business model was for the last 10 years. So, this is another reason looking at other restaurants, if you want um, repeat business, you really need to be a little bit more, how would you
1: say, casual. Yeah. I yeah. I, I, I was thinking about that today, about Le Crevan and and the fact that any night of the week, you would have people in Le Crevan who you know would have been there or would be visiting for the first time. It's just that type of restaurant that it, it, because it's a birthday or an anniversary or something like that, or, or it's a big treat and they want to, you know, treat themselves to the Michelin star experience. That must come and bring a certain degree of pressure. Doesn't it, Derry? Knowing knowing that there's people out there and they haven't been here before and they may not come again and they want everything. They want all the bells and whistles.
2: Yeah, well, you, you know, you, you try not to think about it, but it does happen. I mean, you know, you get someone who would book today for, say, October, you know, six months in advance um, and an anniversary dinner. So that's like, you know, I mean, that's they're looking for something for six months be a big night for them and um, so you know you got to everyone wasn't just a number everyone was individual and that takes a lot of um work and dedication to do that
0: and then on the front of house side you knew when people come in by their body language and by their attitude whether how how far their expectation levels were going to be or how high should I say mm-hmm. they were going to be <laughs> so you had to manage that so we all had to be I mean we hired people based on their skills obviously but people especially front of house you had to have a personality you had to be able to read people you had to have that you know innate um sixth sense to know whether somebody was comfortable or not that you know even though they're sitting at the table they're looking at the menu you have the the foresight to go over and say is everything okay Mm. and they'll tell you well no I don't eat this and I don't eat that and you go into the kitchen and say okay fine which was a nightmare for dairy but (laughs) we we did it so we always had something on the side that if you know if somebody wanted just chicken we had chicken for them if they wanted I mean we had celebrities in one night and they wanted egg and chips and um, that was fine. Yeah, Derry, did, no, Derry I did. did egg and chips
2: for them. 65 euro, I charged them.
1: <laughs> <laughs> You're dead right. You're dead right. You they can pay the it The dinner too.
2: menu was 65 euro, so it was our main course. So I charged 65 euro. I said no, no discount on that one.
1: No, no, no dis- more <laughs> <laughs> You should have. You should have. Yeah, went <laughs> off menu. Um, listen, like when I look at your your biographies, it's no surprise maybe you ended up in this industry. Derry, you you always wanted to operate a restaurant, work in a restaurant, own a restaurant. Is that right?
2: Yeah, it is really. I mean, um, uh, both my parents were in the food business, uh, both fruit importers. Uh, One was doing fruit, a massive fruit importer, and my dad was a delicatessen importer. So he was one of the first to have delicatessens in Dublin and uh, a lot of cheese and so on. So that was the interest in food. And really, Kieran, it was a summer job that kind of got me into it. Um, The man Friday in Kinsale in the 70s um, during school holidays, I would uh, work there. You know, doing the washing up, I do anything really. And after a couple of years, I went the kitchen and liked it. So that was where the career started in Kitsai. So I spent about seven years there.
1: And I know um, Sallyanne has mentioned some of the restaurants already that, that you actually ended up working in La Cocardie and Le Bon Appétit and yes, uh, and others. I mean, through it all, was it always your ambition to have your own place?
2: Yeah, it definitely it was. I mean, at a young age, I mean, really, um, I didn't want to go into the route as a head chef somewhere all the time. Um, I wanted my own restaurant, really. But for you know, actually, I actually wanted a restaurant in the country, uh, kind of a seaside place uh, under the coast. I love the sea. So I was hoping for that. But then looking at the economics, I looked at Dublin. Dublin is the all year round business. So that's really why um, I opened in Dublin with Ann.
1: Yeah, I suppose, like, uh, Kinsale is great when you're down there for a summer job. It's a, it's a bit different on a wet Tuesday in February. You mightn't have too many people uh, through the well, doors.
2: Yeah. yeah, exactly. No, You're dead right. I mean, obviously, but it's changed a bit now. Kinsale is kind of pretty much all year round, but it wasn't in um, the 70s, 80s you know, when I was there. But... Um, you know, I've no regrets about it, really. i got to say um, I had a good career in it. And it's not finished yet, mind you, but I'm coming to the end, I suppose, <laughs> um, like everyone does. And it's been great, really. Um, Nick Rivan was probably the uh, golden times for me.
0: We had great fun. I mean, we started off in a little restaurant. Because when I met Derry, all he ever talked about was opening up his own restaurant. So we got married, and then we started looking for premises. But we opened up uh, a 38-seater in the basement in Lower baggot Street and um there was seven of us wasn't there yeah and we worked really really hard but we had fun because there weren't the same um demands that there are today there weren't the same issues with um i do not all the social media all the social media things that we would have had to deal with today i mean um the likes of hugh leonard and whatever came in and put us on the map within three months of our opening And it was wonderful, but people came in, people loved the food he did. They loved the way we served it. They liked the decor. They felt comfortable and it was a win-win, you know? So um, that's when we went to a bigger restaurant and then a bigger restaurant. And we just had to evolve with the time. So we kind of had a five-year plan each time. Obviously that got scuppered when boom and bust in 2010, but we still got in and we revamped the restaurant and Mm. we made it more, usable with more private rooms um because that's the way the business was going so you have to keep on top of it all the time it's um i mean at one stage there we had 60 staff and it's people don't realize that it is a service industry and that's what you're paying for like you're you're paying for all these people that are there to come in and do their best for you and we were very lucky with the teams we had over the years they were all very passionate and like-minded individuals so we were able to do what we did to the best of everybody's ability.
1: If you're just tuning into to The Hard Shoulder, Derry and sally Clark are with me for the Thursday interview this week. You mentioned, sally boom and bust uh, a moment ago. I mean, h- how close did Lecravan come to bust on that scale uh, back 2010,
0: 2011? Very, very close. We were, you know, we had huge mortgages, huge whatever, and... Uh, uh,
2: yeah, we were lucky, though, Kieran. We... Um when we were doing well in the early knots, not, um, we didn't spend the money. We kind of put it away. Um, actually, if I for a pension, that's what we're really doing. But uh, we dipped into that, to be honest about it. We kind of dipped into the assets we had and um, the bank bank balances we had. So that's what got us through. Um, and really, you know, that's pretty much why we're still working, actually, because we haven't got a pension now. Yeah. So, you know, we pretty much have to keep working.
0: Like we sold the building and did a lease back to make sure that we you know, kept everything and paid everybody. And, and now that we're finished, obviously, the place is sold. Our landlord's very happy. But everybody's been paid. All the redundancies have been paid. And we've walked away with our heads held high, which, personally, I think is a great t- thing to do during a pandemic when everybody else is telling you, walk away, go bust, go this, go that. That's mm. not what we do. And that's not what we've ever done. We've always tried to be as um, honorable as possible in our dealings with everybody. Uh,
1: I, do you, you resent a little bit having to keep working though? You know, I mean, was it always the vision that maybe you'd get to this point in your lives and you would start to wind down and you'd be in a position to be able to wind down because you would have the nest egg? Yeah,
2: no, actually, no, no. I mean, you know, as I said there at the very start, um, like since these three lockdowns, we've been keeping occupied and painting, gardening, things I never did before in my life, actually. <laughs> I'm not a bad have you started? Have you, have you actually? Have you started painter. painting, Jerry? Anyone, anyone listening, I want their house painted? I'll give you the price. Oh, sorry. Anything. I
1: thought I thought you meant you were painting uh, portraits and things, I, of Sally-Ann. Yeah, you're you're painting the walls. There was that kind
2: of painter. That's tax-free, you know. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: yeah. No, 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 no. House painting, yeah. house cleaning, house yeah, yeah. all sorts of things that we just never got around to doing, and uh, we've been doing that over the last three lockdowns, and we've been getting things done that we've been putting off for years, and we've been doing a lot of it ourselves. So it's, um, but as far as winding down is concerned, I don't think we ever thought we'd stop working. I don't think we ever thought we'd give up Lecrivain, but this opportunity came along and um, it was the right time for us. And no, I think you'll, I know Derry will be working at least for the next five years and hopefully I'll be working for a little bit more than that. So like my parents were shopkeepers, dairies yeah. were food importers. Like they were my workers. Mother didn't stop, Pardon?
1: They were workers.
0: They were workers, yeah. and my parents were workers. So, like, my mom didn't stop working in the shop till she was seventy-nine. So, and I know she was only doing four hours a day, but it's still—I can't imagine being retired, if you know what I mean. And I, I think Derry's going to have difficulty with that one too. Yeah,
1: pretty much. <laughs> um, obviously, it, it, when we're talking about recession and the difficulties, I mean, the, the greatest difficulty you faced in your lives and, and will ever face happened then as well, around that time in twenty twelve, when Andrew, your son passed away, and and I was reading some things you were saying about um um fairly recently about it about organ donation and the fact that Andrew had expressed this wish before he died to to be an organ donor and the fact that uh, maybe solace is is stretching it a bit, Derry, is it? Uh, but some degree of comfort you've you have been able to take in the intervening years, in the nine years since Andrew passed away. That's, you know, he, yeah. he was able to give yeah. the gift of yeah. life Here,
2: to I mean, it's comfort, but debt to comfort, you know, if that's, yeah. to be honest about it. Yeah. Um, like, I mean, that's probably the biggest impact on our lives for sure, you know, and hopefully that'll that that'd be the biggest we, we'll have to face before we pass ourselves. So, um, yeah, I mean, look, we've talked about it at different times about it and it's, it's, it's difficult. And um, we do think about him every day. And um, he's, he's present in the house and um, where we live is where the memories are with him and that's the way you should stay for us um like the organization was a great thing to do because we did talk about it funny enough about the year before he, he um he died um, and that's what he wanted to do and uh, we all have donor cards um, and um so that was what we did uh, and but it was the worst time of ever it was on new year's eve um 2012. Hmm. so that was hard i always remember that night so well and it was a hard night very very difficult and I don't think, I think 2013, for me anyway, I can only speak for myself, I can't speak for Salyan, but uh, for myself, 2013 was a year I actually can't remember too much about it, which that's just kind of strange to say that. But
0: no, me either, I think we we just existed, didn't we? Yeah, I
2: mean, I see things um, reading in the years, watching the night. reading in the years on RT and they were showing 2013. There was loads of stuff there I didn't realise happened. It was kind of, was a, it was a blur to me that year. Yeah. Strange, it really was. But uh, also, Kieran. I mean, funny enough, um, this this weekend uh, on Saturday morning, there's a Page House have their annual um, Darkness into Light walk. Yeah. So I'd love people to support that, please. That'd be great. And um, that's on the yearly. And obviously, it's a uh, virtual this year again, pretty much. Um, but to be great that so people get involved in that on Saturday morning. Yeah. But get up at dawn. It's a nice time to do it anyway. Get up, uh, you know, and in, in the in the and see you dawn.
1: Yeah, and and listen, it's it's been chilly. The And getting back to the donation,
0: the other thing we found was Andrew was number 78 as far as donors were concerned that year. We were shocked that there were so few because obviously there were other people in intensive care that were um, not going to survive. And apparently we were told we offered Andrew's organs and apparently that's what you have to do. They can't approach you. You actually have to offer them um and it seems crazy that they still haven't got the legislation in place where it's an opt-out as opposed to an opt-in system because so many people are on the donor list right now it would save so many lives
1: yeah because it's understandable how people in that situation wouldn't think of oh, uh, of, of making the offer you
0: yeah, know, I mean, and we, who
1: and who would say yes if they were approached
0: well if you can't approach this is what yeah. people couldn't understand they can't actually approach you and because we discussed it our daughter Derry and myself and Sarah May had a donor card as well so it was the obvious thing to do and we asked how do we do it and we were surprised nobody had approached us and that's what they said no you you can't you can't be approached you actually have to proffer
1: yeah well listen as, as you said Derry that the most difficult thing you've ever had to face and hopefully the most difficult thing you will have will ever have to face and, and and hopefully, whatever you face in the next uh, year, two, three, five years, whatever it happens to be with the plans, that nothing will will ever will ever uh, match that. I mean, are you, given everything that's happened in the last year and the difficulties and with the hospitality industry, and you're kind of venturing into new ground, are you optimistic about the the, the future?
2: Oh, definitely, yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I actually kept saying I said last year um, when the uh, great flu in nineteen nineteen happened. The pandemic then and um, the roaring 20s came after that i think it's going to be i think next year onwards it's going to be really um strong business-wise um the next few years i think definitely going to be
0: roaring 20s again definitely yeah
2: yeah i think so yeah. Um, yeah right um but you know i mean like like i say i mean for us i mean losing andrew anything after that really for us we don't actually we don't we didn't look on the um lockdowns as, as tough at all for us we were looking in that way we you know we, we suffered worse so to, to us that was kind of a minor inconvenience
0: it was an inconvenience but as I said it was the first one was definitely a novelty second one was an inconvenience the third one has been more difficult and the catering industry it's just it's very very difficult out there and nobody knows who's going to reopen and who isn't and um, hopefully all the government um, uh, supports stay in place to let people get get on their feet again Because I don't think unless you're in the catering industry, you understand exactly how hard that is. You still have to go in every day and check your premises. You still have to keep on the electricity and the gas. You've still got to clean and polish. You've got to run the tap. So you still have all the utility bills and the water bills. And people don't realize this. They're at a commercial rate. They're not at at a domestic rate. So all those supports are really going to be needed to help people get back on their feet again.
1: Yeah, well, listen, you mentioned three lockdowns. For all of your colleagues in this industry, fingers crossed there's not a fourth and we're, we're, we're firmly out the other side of it or oh, on our God. way out the other side of it. <laughs> no, there um, isn't one. Listen, it's been a pleasure and we really appreciate the time uh, that you made available to us. Derry and Sally-Ann Clark. Thank you very much. Okay, thanks, Kieran. Kieran.
0: thanks for having Thank us, you.
1: Kieran. And that is our lot for today's edition of The Hard Shoulder. Off the ball there, up next, as always, my thanks to everybody who got in touch with us on the show today. Thanks to the production team, as well, as always. I'll be back tomorrow from four. Have a good one.